Please turn in your Bibles with me today to the book of Luke, chapter number 6. Luke, chapter number 6. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, brother, for those songs. Also, I appreciate the uh, decorations that some of our folks have put up on the sides here. This is our theme for our missions conference, Onward Christian Soldier. And these are difficult days in which not only we live, but missionaries around the world. They are facing great adversity uh, because of the government's lockdowns and things of that nature. And we'd like to encourage and refresh them, those that will be with us this week. And there will be other missionaries around the world that will be watching our services. And uh, we want to be a blessing and a refreshing uh, to these soldiers of the cross. And I want you also to be refreshed. Well, you also are engaged in this battle, and you are a soldier of the cross. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 6, and I want to, um, I'm not going to use this passage and preach out of it expositorily, but I would like to take a principle, a thought that reveals the heart of God here in verse number 38. Here in just a moment, we will read it. I'd like to preach to you this morning on the heart and the hand of God about giving. About giving. If you've been a part of this assembly over the past 10 or 15, 20 years, you would have to stand and testify that my pastor rarely preaches on the subject of giving. And yet you are one of the most giving churches and people that I have ever seen. You set a record last year in your mission giving of over $400,000 above your tithes and, and to just to missions. This year, you have set another record. Uh, you've given over a half a million dollars this year to missions. And so you may question, why in the world then, Brother Roger, would you be preaching on giving? Why don't you just leave well enough alone? Well, here's the thing about it, is that you think sometimes that I'm preaching when I, on giving in order for the church to be blessed or for me personally to be blessed. But that's just an imagination that the adversary has put into your thought. My goal this morning is to show you, and I hope and pray that, uh, it, that it sinks into your heart, that you will see how that God, number one, is a giver, and how that He loves, absolutely loves, cheerful givers and blesses, blesses people who love to give. And I want you to get in on the blessings of God in your life. That is my motive today. I do not ever want to misrepresent God to you. He is not a big Santa Claus. He's not a big name it, claim it, blab it, grab it kind of guy that the false prophets promote. But I will promise you that God loves cheerful givers. And God blesses giving you will never be able to give your way into poverty. Amen. God blesses giving. And my desire is to present His heart to you and His mind and never to misrepresent Him. And by the way, God is not 
who you and I may think Him to be or imagine Him to be. He is who the Bible declares Him to be. And the Bible declares Him to be God is love, God is light, God is a giver. James chapter 1 verse 17 says that every good gift... See, God doesn't give bad gifts. You don't have to take His back and return it. God, the Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights. And by the way, when you say the word gift, that's something you didn't earn. Is that correct? Whenever a preacher preaches on giving, people get nervous and they start putting up a a boundary around their hearts. Would you please understand that when I speak about giving and about missions, missions giving does not profit me one cent, personally. Not a cent. This is for others. And even for others outside the assembly, primarily. And yet, I've watched God, as we have given to others, I've watched God give back to us as an assembly. But, you know, the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Nothing shady about God or you not being able to depend upon His Word. God gave us His Son. John 3.16, you know that verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I promise you, I'd give you my house, my truck, my boat, everything I have before I'd give you my Son. I would give you everything I possess and possibly my own life before I would give you my Son or my daughters, or my wife. But God so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son. So don't ever say God is not a giver. And the Bible says also He gave us His Spirit. He sent the Spirit of God as a gift to dwell in your hearts, to empower you and enable you to live in this ungodly world. He gave you salvation for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's three perfect gifts. The Son of God, the Spirit of God, and salvation from the Lord. All of these come from the Lord. The psalmist encouraged us. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. God's been good to us. And as He is, so are we in this present world. I'd like to be godly. I'd like for people to be able to say, Brother Gary, he was a godly man. What does that mean? Well, it means to be godly. It means to be like God. I don't mean that in the form of blasphemy or idolatry, but I mean to be, represent your, your father, your savior, to an unsaved world and to one another. The Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe this to be true in the Bible teaches this, number one, that God loves sinners. He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God loves His sons. Every son that He receives, He chastens because He loves them. I know God loved me when I was 
unsaved and he loves me even more now that I'm his child. And the Bible specifically says God loves, do you understand this? God loves cheerful givers. You see, yeah, but he, he loves us all the same. Then why does the Bible say he loves cheerful givers? Hmm? He loves cheerful givers. I want you to look at this. And listen, by the way, um, I want you to enjoy the life of being a giver. And you're one of three kinds of people here today. You say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You are either a taker, a keeper, or a giver. You're one of those three. A taker, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine. Equals a Democrat. (laughs) Keepers, what's mine is mine. But then there's the givers. What's mine is mine and what's mine is yours when you need it. I want you to look at this passage here with me. Look in chapter 6, look at verse 38. Do you believe the Bible? Yes or no? Verse 38. Jesus is teaching us about the heart of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the heart and hand of God. I'm going to give you three very simple, basic principles. If you get a hold of this, it'll help you and change your life. I'm glad I got a hold of this over 40 years ago. 40 years ago. I'm glad I didn't ever deviate from it. God's richly blessed me. Verse 38, give, give. It didn't say pray about giving. It said give, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now I want you to turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Here's what I want to preach on this morning to help you as a church. Because I want everybody to see this and to help us uh, and in the work of the Lord here. But to be blessed, I want you to be a blessing. Please turn in your Bibles. I need you to see these passages. 1 Corinthians 16. Look with me in verse 1 and verse number 2. Give. God blesses giving. But I'm going to show you what He looks for. I'm going to show you three things He looks for. I'm looking at a a church of givers. I am. I want everybody, though, in the assembly to be a giver. Because I want you to be blessed. I want you to... You know that givers are not... They're not ugly people. And I don't mean your face. Some things we can't fix. (laughs) Some things money just can't fix. (laughs) But givers are not bitter, angry, agitated people. Most of the time, they have a disposition of being happy. 
1 Corinthians 16. First of all, God, the hand of God and the heart of God over East River Baptist Church. And, and listen, I preach this in other places too. And it doesn't matter about the size, the color, or how wealthy or poor that you are. These principles work for everybody. All right. Now look at this. Number one, God looks for and blesses participation. Not observation. Participation, not observation. Did you know that some of you have attended this church for a number of years and you're still watching others give and watching others support missionaries? But you are not participating. You say, well, I can't afford to. You stop saying that. You stop saying that. If I was as rich as some, I would give. If you won't give when you have a little, you won't give when you have a lot. If you're faithful to give with the little that you have, God will trust you with more. He will. Look at 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1 and 2. Up again, the principle of this passage here is about the heart of God and giving. He looks for and blesses participation. Verse 1 says, now concerning the collection for the saints. Now this offering happened to be for to help the saints in, in Jerusalem who had sold and given a lot of things away and now at years have gone by and they're facing some adversity and God remembers their giving and God now is putting it on the heart of others to help them while they're in need. You see, sometimes you say, well, Brother Roger, if I give, I shouldn't ever be in need. Well, see, that's where your mind's messed up. So you don't think right. See, you, you, you think like, like a Creflo Dollar, you know, or like uh, somebody that's always in it to get it. Your Bible says here in verse number 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given order to the churches, plural, of Galatia. Every assembly was to participate. He said, even so do ye. Verse 2, upon the first day of the week, which would be Sunday, let, then I want you to see this phrase, every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And what you are looking at here is what we call the law of synergy. It is the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It is the example that God gives of the exceedingly wise creatures in nature. You remember the ant? The wisdom of the ant is its preparation. The wisdom of the coney or the rabbit is knowing its limitations and its protection. The wisdom of the spider is its determination. Oh, but the wisdom of that locust. No farmer fears one locust. All farmers fear when they all the locusts come together and they work together as one and they'll wipe out a whole crop overnight. And it's called the principle of cooperation. You remember when those four men wanted their friend to be healed and so all four of them got a corner of a sheet. Each one grabbed a corner, climbed up on the roof, tore the roof apart and let him down before Jesus that he might be healed. 
If one of them had let go of the rope, the guy would have just fallen to his death. But all four of them working together, every one of them, was able to deliver that man in his adversity by bringing him to Christ. And God is showing us the principle of the locust and of synergy that every one would give. Every one would participate. Do you see that? Verse number 2. It doesn't say upon the first day of the week, just let the wealthy. It says, let every one of you. I don't have to pray about whether or not I should give. It says give. And it says, and listen, please uh, please keep your hand there in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians, but would you keep your hand right there in that part of the Bible? I'm going to show you something that I call a wow verse. I want you to look with me in the book of Exodus. I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Exodus 36. When everybody pitches in, when everybody does their part, rich, poor, wealthy, uh, barely getting by, all those things that, that people throw out there. And by the way, you know, a guy could have several hundred thousand dollars in the bank and he'll talk to you like he's broke. Did you know that? Some folks do. Oh, man, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't do that. You know, it's, sometimes it's all in a, mind's, a man's mind. And then you got another guy that's just making it from paycheck to paycheck, and he feels like he's on top of the world, and he appreciates everything he's got. And so it's a mindset. You can't, you can't to really enjoy the things that money can provide unless you really can enjoy the things money cannot provide. You think about that, all right? Now look with me in Exodus. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. Look at this. This is where the Lord has told Moses to uh, build the tabernacle. And remember when he led them out of Exodus? He loaded their wagon with loot. You remember that? I mean, man, he took everything from the Egyptians, put them in some wagons, and they took it across the, uh, the Red Sea on dry ground. And really what you're looking at there is God had given them something that he wanted them to give later so that he could give them more. And what you have today is what God has given you, and he wants to use you like a funnel. I want East River to be East River, not East Pond Baptist Church. Now look at this. Look at Exodus 36. Look at this. This is awesome. It says, Then wrought Bezalel and uh, O Heliab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. Now notice it says free offerings every morning. God said, I want you to bring me your stuff, but I want you to do it because you want to. Not because you have to, not out of necessity, not grudgingly, not out of guilt. I want you to give because you want to. Now watch. Verse 4. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. So not only did they give of their treasures, they gave some of their talents and their time. It's one thing you'll never get back. It's time. You'll never get back time. Verse 5. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more 
than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. Have you ever heard a Baptist preacher said, Whoa, man, that's enough. Quit that giving. And here he is said, Man, y'all have brought more than we know what to do with. Look what he said in verse 6. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff that they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. That is awesome, isn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome when we get ready to, to build the new sanctuary that there's so much I have to come up here and say, whoa, hey, hold on a minute, that's enough. Cut it out now, that's enough. Now we've been saving for a number of years to do our due diligence. We don't know yet exactly and I'm hoping to hear something in the next few weeks of what it will cost us to get our building up. But I'm just saying that we'll have to have a little bit more. But wouldn't it be something if, man, if God just poured it in again? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm counting on Him. I'm not counting on text, Dot. I'm counting on the Lord. And I'm just saying that God has been faithful to East River Baptist Church. We, are, we have been blessed over the years. And God has helped us to progress. And we are debt free. And we are saving and ready and to at least get started on something and hopefully finish it. But I'm saying that look at what happens when everybody participates. That's the thing about it. You'd be surprised. When everybody participates, what can happen? Go back to 2 Corinthians real, chapter 9 real quick with me, please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. First of all, the Lord looks for and blesses participation. It was like some of the folks there, Brother Ed, were looking around and said, Hey, I want to be a part of the work of God. I got some st- I got some gold over here. I got some silver over here. I got some I got some of that material that the Lord wanted to use on the outside for that canvas or that tabernacle. I've got some of that. I'd like to give it. And man, they just kept bringing it and bringing it. And Moses said, well, "Okay, we got enough now. That's it." Well, there was a project there. That was a one-time project that could actually find completion. And they did. They finished it and said, "That's enough." But God looks and blesses participation. And, and the Lord looks at percentages more than He looks at the amount. Did you hear that? The widow gave, Jesus was sitting there with His men, and the wealthy men came and gave of their, their wealth. And listen, He wasn't criticizing them for their giving. They came and gave of their wealth. The Lord had blessed them, and they gave much of it. But there was a widow who only had a little bit. And she came and put in her, I think, two mites. And Jesus looked at those men and said, you see that right there? She gave more than what they did. They were shocked at that. Because God looks at percentages. Did you know that's a fair way to give is percentage? That's why the Lord gave a flat tax called the tithe. Because it's a fair way to give, that everybody would give 10% of the tithe. They said, that belongs to me. I want you to give it back to me. Did you know when Joseph was saving money as a government leader, he put out across the the whole county, across the whole country, a flat tax of 20%? Now listen, I wouldn't mind that. 
If it take away all of the tags and the licenses and the land taxes and this tax and that tax and that tax and just give me, hey, 20%. It'd be fair. The man that makes a million dollars pays 20%. The man that makes a thousand dollars pays 20%. That's the way the Lord looks at it about giving. He looks at your percentage. That way, when you think that because that you're not as wealthy as somebody else, that you don't matter, it matters to God. Because if you give 20% of what you have when you don't have much, He may trust you with a little more so that He knows that you'll stay with it. You understand? And I'm just saying that God looks at and He wants you your participation. Your participation. But also look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Look in verse 7. He looks for and blesses your motivation. Why do you do what you do? Does that matter? Oh man, it does. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 says, every man according as he purposes in his heart, there it is again, that purpose, I'm giving on purpose. I'm not giving accidentally. I'm giving on purpose. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So the motive should be, number one, on purpose, to honor the Lord. That's my tithe. I give him the first fruit of my increase and to help others. That's my extra giving. Missions, ministries, that's on purpose. But also proportionately, as I just mentioned. Look in chapter 8. Look in verse 12. This again goes back to the percentage. Because he says in verse 12, do you have a willing mind? Verse number 12 says, for if there be first a willing mind. And boy, that's my goal as your pastor, is to change the way you think. Why don't you learn how to give willingly? I don't want you to give grudgingly. I wouldn't want you to give me anything that you have if you gave it to me grudgingly. I wouldn't even want you to invite me over to your house for a meal if you did that out of necessity and grudgingly. If you didn't really want me there and you didn't really want to just do this because you loved me and just wanted to hang around, hey, don't invite me over. I want to be there because you want me to be there. I don't want to say, I don't want to cause somebody put a, a, a guilt trip on you. You know, a preacher coming through, preaching on something says, man, when's the last time you had the pastor over to your house? Oh, man, I don't know, but man, I feel guilty about that. We ought to have him over the house because of what the preacher said. Don't do that. Don't do that. Verse 12 says, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. Lord, I'm willing. You better be careful when you say that because if you say you're willing, God may put something in your hand that you're able to do something with. Don't hold on to it when He gives it to you. If there be a willing mind, it is accepted according to the man hath and not according that he hath not. Now here's the reason why. Look at verse 14. He said, verse 13, For I mean that not that other men be ease and ye burden. God never intended for a few people in one local assembly to bear the burden financially of the assembly. He did not expect just a few men to be the only givers to missions or to tithe. He wanted everybody involved. Verse 14, he says, but by 
and equality. Everybody can't give the same, but everybody can give the same percentage. And everybody can give willingly, proportionately, and cheerfully, willfully, and cheerfully. And then last of all, I want you to look with me. First of all, he, li- he looks for and blesses participation. Number two, he looks for and blesses motivation. I want to be a part of the work of God and I want to give. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. More blessed to give than it is to receive. The third thing here is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse number 8. He looks for and blesses those who give with anticipation and expectation. I firmly believe that I cannot outgive my heavenly Father. Verse number 6 says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also how? Say it again. Sparingly. Now that's the principle of the sower, is it not? Is it not true in farming? He also which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Should not the guy who sowed a lot have more anticipation and expectation? Hmm? The principle of sowing and reaping. A harvest. By the way, you, when you sow something, you're not going to reap it the next day. Most of the time. It takes time. And God's timing will bring the harvest and will bring the blessings back. Get away from these guys that are trying to sell you some kind of a, a handkerchief or some kind of perfume from the waters of Israel and so that you can get it for $37.37 so that you, God will bless you with $37,000 down the road. That is just absolutely insane. I question your mental capacity if you do you participate in that. Now, I'm being real nice by saying you're not stupid. Quit, <laughs> quit giving just to get. God is, God is not like the stock market. But I'm just saying that though, however, God wants you to trust Him. He says, listen, Jesus said if you give, God will see to it that men will give back to you. Because God wants to show to you that He wants you to be like Him and that God gives back. I believe that if somebody were to be a blessing to you, I think that person, if somebody were to give you some things, be a real blessing to you when you really were in need, I think that you'd remember that person more fondly in your heart and be more apt to help them when they are in need. And the scripture here says this, listen, look down here in verse number 8 again. Uh, it, it, it says, and God is able, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. God loves cheerful givers. Did you know that when you give to the poor, that you lend unto the Lord and He says, I will repay you. Do you know that? 
How would you like to be such a giver and people love you so much that when you died that they went and found a man of God to raise you up from the dead because they couldn't live without you? Wouldn't that be awesome to be missed that much? We're talking about Dorcas. We're talking about Tabitha. We're talking about her taking of her own means. And she was sowing and she was making things and she saw this widow over here. She saw this poor woman over here and she said, you know what? I'm going to give my time and my talents and some of my treasure and I'm going to give to somebody who cannot repay me. And I'm going to give it to this widow. And so when she got sick and passed away, you know, I always thought, well, why didn't they go get Peter when she was sick? Maybe she just dropped dead. I don't know. All I know is that she died. And when she died, she left such a void. And did you know that people who give, when they die, they leave a void. And they went and got Peter and said, listen, look at this. Would you see she made this for me? They brought everything that she had made and said, look at this. Women lined up, do you understand? And said, look at this. Look, look, here's what she did. And on and on, testimonies came before Peter and Peter went before the Lord, and the Lord's looking down from heaven. And I'm telling you, the Lord decided to really pour a blessing. I guess it would be a blessing to come back from the dead. I'm not sure. Honestly. The Bible says it's, it's, it's better, you know, to be present with the Lord than it is to be down here. But all I'm saying is, is that God raised her from the dead, and there she was with all those things. And, boy, those ladies, no doubt, probably hugged her and kissed on her and said, Boy, we're glad you're back. Don't you know when she was doing some of them quilt parties, she had some stories to tell of her experience? No doubt. But my point being here is, is that woman was a giver and people loved her. You know, people will love you if you give of your time. Even a mother will appreciate who's trying to homeschool or or public school their child and they're struggling with their geometry class and somebody takes the time to show them how to do their geometry on the side or their algebra. You know, you need to learn how to read and write. You can't count on that iPhone to do everything for you. Amen? And do your arithmetic, the three R's. Because if God's going to bless you, you need to be able to count that money. And to be able to give it out. But to give with expectation. Do, 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 listen, when I, say, when I say expectation, when I, Cindy and I are givers, but we give, not, we're not buying an insurance policy. Because I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's ahead. And I know these are uncertain times that we're facing. But I don't want the circumstances or the times to change me and who I am and what I am. I don't want that to happen. The Lord can take away in a day's time. And God can give back twice as much in His timing whenever He chooses. That's His business. But I know this, that God wants you to give with expectation. Let me show you one more verse and we'll go to the house, okay? Look with me in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 34. I guess my heart's desire this morning is to 
is to encourage you. If you have never participated in mission giving, you ought to. You ought to get engaged so that when these missionaries stand up here and come through here and report about what God has done and what God is doing, you can sit there with a little warm feeling in your heart and know that you helped and that you're a part of that. And when you die and stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ beside your pastor, you'll be able to say, you know what? I was one of those who participated. He says, it's going to be that way? I think so. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at this. You know, look at this carefully here. Look at Hebrews 10, verse number 34. He said, For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully. You see that attitude? You took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Now, that's anticipation and expectation that God is going to reward you for your willful, cheerful, God-honoring giving. And verse 35 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence with that great recompense of reward. Confidence in who? Confidence in God that He will sustain you, that He will give you what you need in the days that lie ahead. What shall we do if our economy crashes? What shall we do if every dollar in we have in the bank uh, no longer is worth the paper that it is written upon? Is that possible? Have you ever read anything in history about some things that have happened. This thing, this, uh, this COVID-19 thing is, is, um, it's an ungodly thing of what it is doing. Let me give you an illustration of what could happen. This is in Vietnam. This is a missionary. We just got this letter from brother, uh, brother, um, Mike Roberts, faithful man of God. This is an illustration. Bear with me now. This is about, again, about, there'll be some things sometimes in times of when you don't, you can't control certain things. And if you're going to participate, you've got to quit observing the wind. The Bible says, if you observe the wind, you shall not sow. He said, he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. There is no really convenient time to start participating. It's a matter of faith, of trusting God. Here's what he said, and this, this, is, a, this is a blessing. Watch that. This is how it works, and it could be this way here. He said, I've waited until this letter to be able to give you a rounded update about the work in Vietnam. I am typing this letter. The country is in full lockdown. The people in Ho Chi Minh City are locked in their houses, are having basic food and supplies delivered to their houses by the army and the police. People are becoming restless as many are starting to run out of food and basic supplies. Companies are shut down and all the tourist hotels in the country are closed. Only a few places remain open for the Vietnamese foreign workers from overseas where they'll be quarantined as they return home. The people have no way to make money. So they are totally dependent on others to supply their needs from outside the city. 
The end date of this lockdown keeps advancing as the days slip by. Out in the countryside, of course, food is easier to obtain. But work, schooling, business, and tourism has ground to a halt. This situation has been a logistical nightmare for all of us who are trying to get food to our orphans. He takes care of over 1,000 orphans. I'm a participant in that. In my mission giving, I'm participating in this. He said, you also must have paperwork to travel out of your zone in the country. He said, the orphans are still getting supplied with enough to keep them going day by day. He said, understand most people in the country have no refrigeration and have very few have running water. The kids have fruit, vegetables, and fish from the Mekong River to live on for now. God is taking care of those, those orphans. But you know, God does provide the bird the food that it needs, but He doesn't put the worm in the nest, does He? He said every month we distribute nine and a half tons of rice for all of our orphans. I'm participating in that. If you give to missions, you are participating in feeding these orphans. Part of your money is going to Mike Roberts. We send extra money in times like this. He said, we're hoping and praying that the lockdown closes soon. He said, but as of the letter, none of our 1,012 orphans have contacted covid He said, nor have any been sick outside of a common cold. Isn't that amazing? Probably running around with no shoes on and hadn't been vaccinated. I'm just saying, probably. Brother Roger, you didn't have to say that. I know, I know. We have just completed a church in the mountains with 41 pews being the last step. And he talks about how that God has blessed this. But here's the other thing I want you to see. The government sees what this man of God is doing. And they cooperate and help him when they won't help others because he has found favor, because he's taking care of those who nobody else wants to take care of. He said, we have many friends in the government that we are in contact about our kids. He said, we're getting our school supply and bicycles together to be able to minister to others as soon as the country opens up. He's ready. And I'm just saying that you don't know what's going to happen in America, but you don't live in fear of what might happen. You don't let it change what you are. And you trust the Lord. And that's why he said here in verse 36, for he says in verse 36, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. This is all about anticipation and what I call expectation. I desire that fruit may abound to your account. And there are some things that money simply cannot buy that you need. And that's why Paul said, and he's able to make grace abound to your account. There are times when you're simply going to need some grace to help you in time of need. You're going to need a word of wisdom on what to do and what not to do. 
You're going to need encouragement along the way. And you know what? The Lord looks down and gives back to those who give a word of encouragement, who care about other people, who love on other people. So let me ask you a question. Are you a taker? When you come to church, do you always just look for what you can get? Or do you come also looking for an opportunity to be a blessing and give a word of encouragement during the week, to send somebody a good text, to send somebody maybe a card, a letter, an offering, a blessing. I know not, but I know this, that God is faithful. He has been faithful to Cindy and I, and I can testify to that over and over and over. Even this past year, once again, we have, we're looking at our roof knowing that we probably needed to get one and roofs are not cheap. You understand that, don't you? Roofs are not cheap. And once again, the Lord, I, we trusted God. We give, we give, and we give. I don't have a lot of money set aside in case of disasters. I really, I have to trust God to keep the devourer away from me and to protect me and help me and guide me. And I don't mean that presumptuously. I try to save a little. I try to give more than I save. I try to invest in good things as far as the people of God is concerned, but I invest in the work of the Lord more than anything else. Then this summer a storm came through and a hailstorm came through. My roof was damaged enough. Some of my neighbors did not get this blessing. I got it. And a $16,000 roof cost me $700. And I, you say, you look at that and say, well, that sure was a lucky thing for you. But I promise you that it wasn't luck. I promise you it wasn't luck. And the Lord, I think, looks down upon our hearts and He sees that when Cindy is our bookkeeper and when she writes out the check and puts it in the offering plate, we do not go back there and moan and groan. Oh no, not again, not another week of giving. Oh no. We got to do it or God's going to kill us. That's not what we do. Our tithe is we feel like that's God honoring. That's His. You see, that's Old Testament stuff. I give God my tithe because I want to honor Him. First, the principle is in Proverbs. I don't pull it out of the law. I pull it out of Proverbs. I honor the Lord with the first fruits of my increase. And then I trust God. Give me enough sense not waste money. And then I ask God to protect me as best as much as He will. Whatever trials and tribulations come my way, I look to Him for a way out of it. That's what I do with expectation. And I believe that it's a joy to give. It's a blessing to give. East River Baptist Church is one of the most giving churches in this county and I think in the state of Texas. And I appreciate it. And I'm just saying that I want you to, when the Lord allows us to get where we need to be in the next building, Lord willing, I want you to see the hand of God and that He gives back. You understand? Uh, you have to go all the way back 30 or 40 years when this building wasn't even completed. And there wasn't pavement on this side of the road. And there was a lot of things that the church didn't have. Brother Farley was faithful 
And some of you folks were faithful. And you gave and you got the church out of debt. We finished this building. We got our parking lot paved. When the building back here was, was built, when Brother Farley was here and you gave and it was paid for, debt free. And then a few years later after we came here, this seven acres came up. And we paid cash for it. We paid about $80,000 for seven acres next door. Now that property is worth over $980,000. And I'm saying that God has increased us. As this church has continued to give and give and give and give, went from, has gone from 80,000 to missions to 100,000 to 200 to 300 to 400 to 500, God has continued to give and give and give back to this church. You've got to see that as a hand of God. You say, well, Brother Roger, I, I, you know, everything may fall apart tomorrow. So what if it does? God is still in heaven and God will meet our needs. Now, He might use some other church down the road to send us something to help meet those needs. I don't know that. The church in Jerusalem that gave everything they had and then everything, then a dearth came God took care of them down the road through somebody else. What you want is is that you want the Lord to bless your giving so that you live somewhere where there, nobody has to ever minister to you again, that you're going to be so independent that you don't need anything and you're the one who's always giving. But I'm telling you, sometimes you'll have to be the receiver because you're going to be some needs that come your way and God's going to minister to you. By the way, isn't it a humbling thing? Have you ever received... It's humbling to receive. You say, not for me, Brother Roger. You just keep giving it. I'll keep taking it. No, no, I ain't talking to you. I ain't talking to you because you're not a giver. But if you're a giver, receiving is a humbling thing. And I promise you again, there are some things that are more important than money that people can give to you. Let's stand together, please. Some of you are rich with friends here in this assembly. When you suffer, we suffer with you. That money cannot buy that. I love you. As we go into this uncertain time that's caused and created by those who are in authority, God's not in heaven wringing His hands and saying, Oh, no. But I pray that we would not give in to fear and that we would continue to process the Word of God by faith, each one of you would participate in the will of God. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. May I Cindy to come through. Uh, by the way, before she comes, in front of you right there in your pew are some new faith promise cards. Would you pick one of those up and stick it in your Bible? And would you pray over this this week? And would you on purpose, on purpose, not out of emotion, but out of devotion, would you think about what God would have you to do uh, in the, in, in, at the end of our missions conference? And sometimes God speaks to my heart before the missions conference even starts. Sometimes just right at the end of it. Sometimes I just wait on the Lord. But I know He wants me to participate. I do know that. And so, Cindy, would you please come and let's bow our heads for just a moment. And if God's spoken to your heart about anything, anything, I pray that you'd obey Him this morning. And I pray that you develop the heart of a giver, that we might be a cheerful church and a cheerful people. And I think, I think we're headed in that direction. 
Let's bow our heads. Father.